Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess... Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? It's talking about, time about. for Mortgage Matters. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Saturday edition of Mortgage Matters. Jim, good morning. The good, pre-Halloween. Good morning. Yeah, the pre. Hey, you're not Dan. Right, I'm back, people. Yeah, you can't get rid of me. Dan's not <laughs> here, man. Mike, yeah, I'm doing some pre-Halloween stuff with his kids. Come on, give give me a laugh for that. <laughs> oh, I got it. Yeah, the days are confused. Sorry, yeah. I'm like looking at my mom. Dan's not here, man. <laughs> yeah, Dan's even not better soundbite. Even better soundbite is uh, from Pulp Fiction. Remember when they get on the bike? Who is Zed? Zed's dead, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not really relevant, but funny. Yeah, but funny at the same yeah. time. Mm. I often quote Pulp Fiction. God, mm. that movie's amazing. Mm. It's a good movie. I don't know. I for scenes. Like, for yeah. scenes. I'm not talking like it should have had, you know, a trophy or something at the Oscars. Yeah. I mean, it just turned out to be a cult classic. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of a gross, dark. Yeah. I wasn't. It's not a movie that leaves you feeling good about like the human condition. No, no faith in humanity. (laughs) Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I I was telling uh, these guys here before the show started last night. I went to the movies with my wife and watched A Star Is Born. Uh And um, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga was in it. Yeah, (laughs) she sings a little. You know she's a singer. You guys, she ought to yeah, sing. Kind of heard of her. She should sing in everything. I think that she, she did does. a video at some pool that's in San Simeon. Right. Yes. Yeah. Was that, able to? That's the Hearst pool, wasn't it? Huh? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Neptune pool. She paid to have the thing refilled so that she could do a video there, and then with government water too. Government it was only water. like three hundred grand. Mm-hmm. They have to dump in bottles of Perrier. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So there you were watching that movie. Um. Yeah. I didn't know what to expect, to be honest with you. I know it was a remake. Mm-hmm. Didn't watch the original. Didn't hear anything about it. I'm one of those guys that like I prefer. I'd like to see. Just go in. Yeah, I just want to go in. I don't want to hear anything, have a lot of uh, preconceived notions about it or whatever. I just I saw the preview and was like, man, this looks good. Yeah. yeah. These trailers now are so long. and They, yeah, like, they tell a lot, right? It's almost do. like they're the movie. So yeah. anyways, I'm super into music, and so I was like, yeah. Let's go see this. And then um, the like subplot is about music. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it, it was a great movie. I just. Feels like it touched you. Well, I wanted yeah. to see. I'm, I'm the. Uh, I'm weird to ever tell you guys about me and movies. No. I, I like movies, but um, I have really, uh, really specific rules about the emotions that I want a movie to cause me. For example. Mm-hmm. This is art we're talking about. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, but I'm like, Jason example, reads a lot into it. <laughs> I won't, like, I've never seen pra- yeah. Saving Private Ryan. I never will. I don't no, it's a great movie. feel like Amazing. you're supposed mm-hmm. to be entertained 
mm-hmm. in that way, experiencing those kind of emotions. Like it, that your body's really processing those actual stresses and mm-hmm. the hormones and chemicals. Like you're, you're do, I realize it's an artificial way of drawing it out of you, but I just don't think it's good um, physically. Mm-hmm. And then emotionally, I just know it's not good for me. I don't mm-hmm. like that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um I'll read, right? I like the historical context of it. I'm not paying to go and be entertained by this. That's not the way I want to spend a Friday night. Yeah. I know it's weird, right? It's not Um, terribly weird. It's how I feel about horror. I'm like, all right, let's go see a horror movie. And then as soon as it starts, I'm like, oh, nope. I don't don't really love suspense movies for the same reason. So you sit on the edge of your seat, your pulse is 130, and your body's coursing with anxiety and Mm -hmm. adrenaline, and you're like, probably taking years off your life for a good thriller. So me, I like um, romantic comedies, comedies, um, Mm -hmm. satirical comedy. Basically, if I'm going to watch a movie, I want to either learn or I just want to be entertained, right? So Mm -hmm. documentaries, comedies, sports, that's what I do. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, I I leave this movie last night going, dang, I had no idea I was watching such a heart-wrenching movie where I walked out of there like shook to my core Mm -hmm. about, um, I mean, I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but I don't think you should. It's it's got a a whole (laughs) uh, angle to the movie that's going to cause you to feel some things and think some things. Sure. um, That I just, I was, I was anticipating um, a music movie, man. Yeah. Sing to me. Entertain me. Right. On the big screen. That's why you got to go see Bohemian Rhapsody. I think that um, my, I love, I, lo- I it's one of those things for two hours you can just kind of totally, mm-hmm. I know this sounds cliche, but detach, right? You can't mm-hmm. have your phone on. Yeah. Um, you know, when you watch a movie at home, I'm like, come on, babe, are you really looking at Facebook right now? Like, come on. Yeah. This is the good part. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I'm watching it. I'm like, I can see that there's like a glow on your face. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Your phone. Turn off the thing. Like it just like gives you this opportunity to just disengage and listen to a story. And yeah. Well, part of that I think is that there are so many junk movies today. There's quite a few. Yeah. When like and and I think this is true too about music. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we used to get well. For the people that are older, it started all these different mediums. I'm going to start with records. Yeah. You get a record. Yeah. And you'd hold it. The art was very intentional. Mm-hmm. Look at some of the liner notes, whatever you got. Okay. Yeah. And then you put it on and you start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And you want to just sit down and do it uninterrupted. You wouldn't ever just start in the middle, listen to one song, turn it off, or skip to the next like album. Like CDs did, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. But so you just put it on, and then you get to the end, you're like, okay, I'm ready for the second side. And oftentimes the first and second side would be different. Mm-hmm. You know, They're produced a little bit differently to give you a different emotion or whatever, right? The whole piece of art, like through and through. Mm-hmm. Well, today's movies are like, and today's albums like written at a, you know, a studio, a board meeting where they like, well, here's the plot, here's the stars, here's the people, here's who's the, you know, and, yeah. And so then when you watch it, it's sort of like listening, you know, to music one track at a time, where mm-hmm. it's easy to be sort of not cool detached with that from it. Yeah. Well, because you're, it's just, it's it's written uh, by recipe instead of right, right. by full-blown um artistic creation right i think that yeah wrong i'm sure that there's a opinion to what you just said but i do feel like you're right they have made this form of art a bit more shall we say robotic or 
you know, planned well, just out. Just follow the recipe. Yeah, get it to the it's box office. Pay the investors. You even have the you have the directors picked out. You have the actors picked out. You have yeah. it's like you know, pretty much. It's kind and of then a along thing. and then along comes a movie, you know, like Forrest Gump, for example. Yeah, and they're, you know, it's that movie yeah. hits and it's like whoa, uh-huh. <laughs> and, then, wild. And, and then there's an actor that can play all sorts of different kinds of roles too mm-hmm. in that movie, like. Tom Hanks is mm-hmm. in that, and he was sleeping in Seattle, and he was in a bunch mm-hmm. of different things that you know just right. Go, he is very diverse. So. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't a show about music and movies? No, it's about mortgages and real estate finance and the economy. Yeah, um, let's talk about that. Are you prepared <laughs> to talk about the economy? Do you even know what to say about the economy right now? Do you think that I don't? No, I'd. I'd was more or less just trying to bait you into that. Well, I don't know what to say about the economy right now. It's pretty nuts, the ups and downs every day. Mm-hmm. Um, this week I I saw one of my favorite terms in uh, a commentary I read uh, yet again, um, known as the dead cat bounce. <laughs> I did see that. That <laughs> pops up from time to time when things are going this way. Um, you know, and it's just one of these things where you've got one day you're up 500, the next day you're down 500 and then you're up 300 and then you're down 300. Uh, just, it's kind of crazy. The, just the volatility lately, the ups and downs. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's a variety of reasons why now I wasn't on the show last week. I was at my baby brother's wedding. So. Some of this stuff will be a little bit of repeat, but I trust some of our listeners either didn't listen to the whole show or can deal in a little bit of this. But one of the things that happened was we got Fed minutes, right? Mm-hmm. The Fed minutes talked a little bit about um, this idea now being introduced for the first time um, that we could move rates beyond neutral. And I think that's spooking... A lot of uh, people right now, it's spooking right. the markets, it's spooking, and it should be, um, it, it causes you, uh, as just as an investor, you'd have to consider that that kind of a sentiment may mark the, the top of um, business profits right now, right? Right. If it's just going to keep getting more expensive... In the business environment, you know, the cost to produce is if if we're going to push rates beyond um, beyond neutral now. Mm-hmm. So let's be clear: when you're at neutral, this is a rate where you believe that the economy is um, not being held back by the rate, and it's also not being. Um, artificially spurred on by the rate, right? Mm-hmm. That's the neutral rate. Um, Which should yield a GDP between two and a half and three. One would think. Right. Um, we've had this period now of nearly a decade of what's considered accommodative rates. And arguably, we still are at the phase um, of That's accommoda- what the Fed is saying. Yeah, we have accommodating rates, and we're at the tail end of that phase. So we have a few more rate hikes until we reach normal. Um, and then once we hit normal interest rates, um, they're now 
tempering us to to be prepared for rates beyond neutral, beyond um, that unimpacting rate. And I'm going to argue that pushing us into rates that would slow economic growth. That's what rates beyond neutral mean. Now, um, think about this like the gas pedal, okay? It's like the um, – And the brake. Well, I wanted, I didn't want to say the brake because the brake is so deliberate. I was going to suggest we're in a low gear. <laughs> okay. So like when you let off the accelerator completely to where you remove all accelerator, you're going to feel the gears begin to slow you down, right? So you've like you have gas pedal and you have no gas pedal. Um, there's not in this scenario of what the feds are doing. There's like this range in the middle that they're going to consider that coasting part. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, I think they've pumped so much money into this economy for so long that it's like on a downhill, right? So you have inflation growing, you have prices growing, you have some other strange things um, happening right now. Like we have this week, we got a GDP read, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like you said, these these rates are intended to be um, having some impact on GDP, right? When GDP was low and negative right let's let's remind everybody that the definition of a recession is two consecutive Consecutive quarters quarters of negative gdp right so when you're in that period then you use that tool of lowering interest rates accommodative um interest rates that would spur on growth hey it's cheap to borrow right now um if you're using credit lines for inventories and production and payroll and the things that many large businesses do that all just got easier for you. It got cheaper for you and your business environment is changing to where you have a competitive edge. Mm -hmm. Then you find yourself in this position where the growth picks up and it takes off and it gets going. So, well, if we leave rates where they are, then it just becomes white hot and we have a real problem. So start raising rates but the economic conditions are such that people are going, sweet, this feels good. And yeah, there's a little bit more cost, but we're all still making money. So as those rates head towards neutral, we're rec- we recognize that it's happening. Um, uh, and then, and then you're, but you're in that part of the business cycle where you're just cranking and things feel really good. Mm-hmm. I think that's where we are right now. And now we've had enough consecutive rate hikes. Um, you know what? We're at eight rate hikes right now. And we're being told that we should expect one more this year in December. I think the likelihood of a December rate hike right now is at 83%. Last week, it was bumped up from 80 to 83. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty sure we're getting one. Um, and then we're told that we should expect three or four next year. So that puts us at four or five. Mm-hmm. Um, and then now this new speak of the Fed saying, hey um, – we may we may go beyond neutral, and um, I, that's really just panicking the market. That that makes me wonder is is the is the Fed's current plan a mistake? And now is it a obviously if this is what they choose to do, they don't believe it's a mistake. They believe it's the appropriate thing to do, but is it a mistake? And like I said, so now you have you have to be wondering: Are our corporate earnings at their peak now? 
Yeah. I'm, if if costs the are sectors are seeing certain sectors are seeing some significant if, downside. If the headwind to your profitability is increased costs, and we know that not only are they going back to normal, like where they should live, they're mm-hmm. not there yet, but that's where they're headed. Mm-hmm. And now the feds have told us they're going beyond that. Um, hey, that's a shot across the bow, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So I mean, and that couple that with some. Still signs of economic, global economic slowdown, global economic trouble, uh, tariff type of negotiations, all these kind of things. It, there, it makes enough uncertainty that shouldn't really surprise you when you see the Dow doing um, what it's doing right now, um, having those days up and days down and overall down. I think now we've officially given up, in the Dow at least, we've given up. October's profit in its entirety. Mm-hmm. I'm not October, 2018's profit in its entirety. Mm-hmm. And so um I can't say that's surprising. I mean, we've been thinking for a while that this run has been kind of crazy, mm-hmm. obviously unsustainable. Um and so here we sit. Interesting, though, is the relationship, as always, between the stock and bond market. So um, we're not quite seeing the improvement in the mortgage interest rate that you would expect after a 10% correction in the equities market. Part of that has to do with the international turmoil as well. I mean, international investors look across the Atlantic, you know, metaphorically speaking, and say, we can get over 3% on that 10-year treasure note when here in Italy, here in Germany, here in any of the Western Europe, we're getting somewhere between 1 and 2. Zero. Or negative. S- negative. There's places Northern where it's parts negative. of Europe. And don't forget, too, that um, always, regardless of yield, always, the U.S. is a blue chip, baby. Yep. When you're talking sovereign debt from, um, I mean, we're an economic superpower and we're the U.S., so there's always that draw, all things equal. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, Mike, I can give you 19% in Venezuelan debt or I'll give you 3% in U.S. debt. What are you picking? Mm-hmm. The U.S., That's again, right. clearly – no competition. So that's what I mean. So that's that's a, that's stimulating this growth or this this rate of over three percent yield on the ten year and will. Yeah, it's going to keep tickling it, and I, you know, I, I wonder if we are going to begin to start to experience the um, the peak of the hikes sooner than what the feds think. I kind of feel like it might just be optimistic that the feds believe they can um, correct us beyond neutral, that they don't have that much time. That's kind of what I'm starting to wonder. Um, People talk about that. And, you know, you look at last quarter's results for capital expenditures and they're down. And the tax breaks for corporate entities was supposed to stimulate capital um improvement capital spending things like buying new equipment things like um you know expanding and those in quarter three i'm not saying the whole year but in quarter three they were down almost five percent and that isn't entirely comforting because we haven't seen raises go up either so the two things that those dollars were supposed to go to that that the current administration 
um, built into this new tax code was supposed to be capital expenditure and wages and just not. And I think pro- it's not because executives want to take home more profit. Maybe it is, but I think it's really because the outlook is unclear. I mean, I want to hold that money to see what happens in quarter four. Maybe I want to, I mean, if I don't have earnings and I go to Wall Street and report what my earnings are, I get punished right now. You look at uh, to some degree, but at the same time too, we've um, like it's long been this disconnect between um, the attractiveness of a stock and the general just marketability of a stock compared to that company's um, earnings ratio. Like it's a kind of a mind blowing thing. Uh, not just Tesla. So many companies. It's that way where. You see the stocks have year-over-year performance that far outpaces what the earnings ratio is. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like when my grandpa was picking stocks 40 years ago, um, they were looking at some fundamentals that were very different. Today, you've got um, almost a lack of fundamentals. Well, the value factor. I buy Apple, for example. I I buy Apple stock, and I buy all the Apple stock that I could afford. You have investors that might own only Apple uh, because they just are hook, line, and sinker. This this product looks good. Mm-hmm. People buy it when they need it, and they buy it when they want it, and they buy it because they got to have it um, to stay on the cutting edge of cool. And so they buy Apple. You go, do, That's you, it. you don't know how to pick a stock. Um, and, and so it fuels it on. Right. And to some degree, they're right to make money, um, sometimes by dumb luck, but you don't today's investor, you know, I just don't think they care enough about those earnings where we see. And it's funny is that like bank stocks, for example, those can be only about earnings, mm-hmm. um, he- regulatory headwind earnings, things like that, that, cause you know and we see it where they all come out clustered together banks earnings and Mm -hmm. you see that their mortgage originations are down or their defaults are up or whatever seems to be plaguing the banks at a time and it has this almost systemic effect on those financial stocks as they all move through that Mm -hmm. that few week period but i just don't see that on the um other companies you know and then the other thing too is we have I don't know if it's um, new. I, I'll just have to admit that my perspective is young to this, but how many companies, you know, are in the the capital raising um, growth cycle of their business where they haven't even yet posted a profit, but their stocks are going nuts? Yeah. And everybody's like, oh, man, this, this is great. You sure. Buy. Well, but. The thing is, for us, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know anything about that stuff. <laughs> I have, I have, I have a very specific so set of skills. What stocks are in your portfolio, Mike? I have a very specific set of skills, and what I do is I bet on blue chip stocks that pay high dividend yields. After you compare their um, price to earnings ratio, and I look things. at a PE ratio. Many times, I'm looking at you know, um, I'm looking at the opportunity for this company to fight through a recession too, you know? I'm not using this money anytime soon. I uh so Home Depot is on my list, right? I've got some Apple on my list for sure because I'd be an idiot if I didn't. But I the other the other great stocks that I think are just doing phenomenal are the everyday like run of the mill 
um, the car manufacturers for a long time have been on on a point, but the retailers are terrible now all of a sudden. What I would say is this, I, I don't have any idea of uh, what the next year is going to look like. Is your, is your General Mills stock down this week? I'm sure it is. Well, I don't have any idea what the next <laughs> year is going to look like, but over the next 10 years, my stocks will do just fine because of historical data, basically. It just might be a naive prediction. But I, what I've been talking about mainly, and I want to get after this after we take a break, but it's the more and more applications I sit down and start, people are saying, is it a good time to buy and why would I buy right now? And I think you answer this question better than anyone. But when we get back from the break, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about you know the, the, the mindset of living in your house for five to seven years and how the market doesn't really matter because interest, excuse me, rent is 100% interest. And we'll just dabble in that for just a bit. So Listeners, stick around. We'll be right back after the break with more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KBEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home. Just call 543 loan. Just call 543 loan. Just call 543 loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso Robles, Morro Bay, Atascadero, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gains locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason.
Don't say his name three times. He might hear up here in the studio. <laughs> All right. Spooky, spooky. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Hey, so. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. Before the break, uh, Mr. Points over here asks a question. Well, really sharing that this question's coming up a lot for you lately is, um, is now the right time to buy? And I got to tell you, me too. I'm hearing this every day. And um, this is a great conversation. And I want to tell you, Dan and I had lunch with John Hansen on, I guess it was Wednesday. Hanson Advertising. Yeah. And so John, everybody here at the radio knows John. John's been around a long time. He's on your commercial for Central oh, Coast yeah. Lending. Every listener on yeah. the He's show on knows so John. many commercials. He's on a lot of commercials. So, jo- so yeah. John owns a marketing company. He's been doing this forever and a day. He's a creative, witty, smart guy. Got an amazing um, radio voice. Yeah, he sounds good on the radio. Uh, he's, he's the reason why we have the show to be frank with you. Um, just as a little side note, you know, when, when Dan and I were starting central coast lending, we were like, obviously when you first start a business, you don't have any money. Right. And we started during the recession where, um, it was, it was scary and it, it was hard. And we knew that overhead killed businesses. That idea that you need to spend money to make money in that environment is a terrifying idea. So you, you have no money to pay yourself and the very little money you do have, you're staring down advertising. And so, you know, John pitched us this radio schedule. Well, buy some radio advertisements here in town and get the word out that you're open. And we're like, okay, um, what do you say in a radio commercial that makes you any different than anybody else? And you're up, by the way, you're up against Quicken's mm-hmm. marketing team with yeah. stupid crap like the rocket mortgage mm-hmm. stuff, right? Um, so what do you say? And so, well, we're local. John's like, man, people are tired of hearing about local businesses. So yeah, but that matters in real estate. It matters that you're local. Anyway, round and round and round and round. We can't comfy up to spending thousands of dollars a month on radio commercials. And John said, well, hey, I have an idea for you. How about you guys do a radio show? So we were like, well. What would that look like? um, Well, we had a reasonable idea what it looked like. It came out was like, um, because I kept saying in the commercials, I need somebody to know that we're. We're mortgage experts, mm-hmm. and that we're uh, we are we're committed, honest people with integrity, and that you can't just say those words. You need to know somebody to know that they're honest. You need to you need to be able to know somebody to know that they are good enough at what they do that they deserve respect and credibility. And so, as we kept trying to figure out how you convey that in an advertisement, he said, "Hey, how about you guys do a radio show." It's a half hour commercial. And so um, the very first show, I wish you could dig it up. I don't, we don't, yeah. we just don't have them anymore. Um, the very first show was um, John came in with Dan and 
Dan and me, and we sat down, the three of us. Of course, we're in the old studio, mm-hmm. uh, and we were so nervous. <laughs> Man, were we ever nervous. And it was like um, John came in with us because he had uh-huh. so many hours on the microphone, and he just said, hey, look, I'll just interview you. Yeah. So we said, cool. So um, that's what happened. Yeah. And I'd love to say that it was super easy and it went by really fast, but it wasn't very easy and it didn't go it by fast. It seemed like a drag for hours. Well, right? half an hour was a long time to yeah. try to sit there. and um, But then once we got comfortable and we got going, the half-hour yeah. show turned into an hour show, it turned into a two-hour show, yeah. and here we are more than 10 years later. Yeah. Um, the show's been a pretty good part of our business. So I bring this up because I want you to know that Dan and I had lunch with John on Wednesday. We don't always do this. And the the conversation was about advertising mm-hmm. and said, what message do you guys want to put out right now? And, and he called this meeting and he said, um, people know that rates are going up. Everyone's talking about mm-hmm. the real estate market now having some vulnerability and it's like you can feel a a shift in sentiment and so i think you need to go on commercial and talk about it so i said you know i agree i agree it's time to refresh the um the copy that we run i i agree the commercials that we've been playing have been playing for a long time and it's time to freshen Mm -hmm. it up dan Mm -hmm. and i were just talking about that a couple weeks ago because during the break, the commercials kick on, and ah, I've been hearing this commercial for so long that I'm sick of it, so I can only imagine everybody else is sick of it, too. <laughs> so it's time to do commercials. So what do you want to say? We're going to write five commercials. What do you want to say? Oh, like, well, I, I can break into it, though. We do still sing the theme song here. Sure. The oh, man. In the hallway. We're yeah. mortgage <laughs> experts on the central coast. coast. <laughs> um. So, but anyways, and I'm asked, I'll ask you this now. Um, what message would you convey in the um, in a commercial or five? And um, I'm not asking you really for a response because it's a it's a difficult it's a difficult question to to answer on the spot. And believe me, I know because I spent this last week trying to write commercials. Got it. Um, but I said to John, you know. I don't want to go on the the radio trying to convince people that rates are only going higher the and now's warm. the time. Jump in. In fact, I brought it up to him. I know that Steve Del Martini is going to be here in a little while. I love Steve. Um, can't wait to talk to him. I always love ribbing any realtor I'm in front of. Man, the realtor community is, has always had the message of it's time to buy. Now's the time to buy. It's time to buy. Buy now. 2009, 10, 11, plummeting values. All oh, the time is now. Um, we had a little bit different message then because, and I was saying that then, um, and we ran a commercial called The Golden Era of Real Estate where we said, hey, look, um, <laughs> property values are at historic lows and so are interest rates. Right. And that is an intersection on the graph that just represents wild opportunity. Um not and I didn't say that your your values are sure to go up steadily or immediately or dramatically, but just said, hey, the values are low and the rates are low, and that is a golden era. It's not always that way. Mm-hmm. And look at us now, um, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years later, um, 
the rates and the values are up. So we could look back and agree in retrospect that was accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, too, um, to I, I don't want to be viewed as kicking dirt on the realtors here. They were right, too, if you compare mm-hmm. even 2009 when they said now is the time to buy. If you bought in 2009 for 350 sure, maybe in 2010 and a half or 11, your, your value may have been 310 So there could have been this brief window where you were like, dag damn it, you know, I missed this and I really wish I hadn't and I I need to put the, you know, ah, I shouldn't have wasted 40,000 bucks. And then now today, though, look at it today. Holy smokes, good job. Mm-hmm. You picked real well. Mm-hmm. So, and that's part of their, if, if there was a realtor on the microphone right now to say why they're always encouraging people to buy, it's at that long term, right? Yep. Real estate's not a shouldn't be a six-month play unless you do it for a living and you're really, really good at it. That's correct. For the rest of us, this should be a five, seven, ten-year play mm-hmm. when we look at buying real estate. That's what we should be thinking, mm-hmm. um, or as close to it as possible. I realize none of us can really see five years into the future well, um, but I think that should be your your window when you're looking at real estate. So anyways, back to the question at hand, what are you saying in an ad? The public sentiment is that um, that question, like you raised, is now the time to buy. Is it a good time? You know, is it a good time? That's what I get. It, that's the operative word. It's not just should I buy. It's a, is it a good time to buy? And I like to flip that. Yeah? I like to flip it and say, look... Is, this is really, this is your home. This is an asset that you're going to own. This For many people, this is like where your kids might start school from this neighborhood, this house that you choose. For many people, it might be a place that they live until their family grows so that they can't live in this house anymore. That's a three to five year window potentially. And it's not an income statement as much as it is a good choice if you're looking at a five to seven year p- plan. You know, and Yeah, and, I... I understand that. Let me and, say this though. Here's let me just say this. Okay. I'm ready. The last part I say is and I think everyone understands this but doesn't really evaluate it is that your rent albeit much less than what your total mortgage is going to be is 100% interest and that rent typically gives you the option to stay in that house for 12 months or until that seller says, "Hey, it's time for me to sell." And I'm sorry to tell you this, but you've got 60 days to find another place. Sure. And and that's not me trying to scare people out of homes. That's me saying, this is exactly how I don't want to get a new borrower. Oh, they're walking into my office. I meet with this person or family regularly. The landlord comes to them after however long they've lived there and says, hey, you guys got to move out. Been great tenants. Thank you. Um and it's always they are wanting to move into it themselves. Mm-hmm. What would that look like, right? Yeah. Or they're wanting to, they have kids or grandkids or a nephew that um, needs a place to live. I don't know if you guys know, but there's a housing shortage going on right now. Mm-hmm. And with the lack of inventory, it has property owners Whenever they or someone they love is having a housing crisis themselves, 
it could be remedied by having your good tenant move out so you can take care of somebody you love or yep. yourself. Um, most time you lose. If you're the tenant, you you lose that. Um, so those people are showing up to me regularly. And I got to tell you, that's a really stressful setup. Usually what it looks like is I got mom and dad and they're working, right? Whether it's mom working and dad staying home with the kids or mom and dad working and the kids in school, um, whatever the variation is, they're sort of holding it all together by a thread. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to suggest that um, this might just be the California dream here, but I'm going to suggest that's a case in a lot of households here locally. Um, I think that might just be the new American dream, holding it together by a thread. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. if you're going to get your, um, you're going to uproot your whole life now and you need to move and it's not on your timing, that's a wild thing <laughs> to have to try to figure that out. And then additionally, um, may the Schwartz be with you. There are very few homes for sale. Mm-hmm. Okay. There are very few rentals available. Both are very expensive um, and going up. <laughs> so it's a, and so the competition is high. The, the prices are high. The stakes are high. It's a very stressful thing. So you're right about that. At least owning, you can kind of control your destiny a little bit. Um, I want to correct one thing you said, though, Mike. Um, part of what you said was that the mortgage payment is much higher than the rent you're paying. And um, that's not always true. Um, In fact, the spread between the two, in my experience, is is usually around 20 to 25%. And in some cases, it, it could be a little bit higher than that. But you know, so your your rent might be twenty percent less than what your mortgage payment might be, and um, and oftentimes that's remedied by you rent a three bedroom house in San Luis for twenty eight hundred, and you like living in slow. Who doesn't want to live in slow? It's a great town, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's time to buy, and buying that house in slow, even at twenty percent more. Um, twenty five percent more. It could be thirty five hundred bucks a month, and that's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I, I almost want to argue that you need to be somebody special to be paying thirty five hundred bucks a month for your housing. Um, but so that drives you over the grade, right? So you start or South to, County, yeah, or South County. You start to look to places that are a little bit more affordable, trying to lessen that spread between your rent and your would be mortgage, mm-hmm. right? So, um, and then of course there's. There's currently some tax benefit for most people to owning. Uh, yep. The other thing, too, I saw uh, an article this week said rent's going up um, on average 100 bucks a year. So um, that's a critical difference, too. You, you brought up a great point. I should have trademarked this when I made it up years ago, that rent is 100% interest. Um you're supposed to laugh right there. <laughs> I've been saying that for a while. I realized I didn't. I didn't obviously make it up, but it's true. Um, but you know, there's a couple of other things at play. Is that when you get a 30 year fixed, 
you're buying a house, at some point the mortgage payment stops. So rent never stops. So rent's in perpetuity. Mortgage is not. Yeah, I think some people it's very hard for them to see that that mortgage would ever be paid off. I think the others... Well, well, people are not good at looking forward. Um, Mike, you're a pretty young dude, though I see some gray hairs on that beautiful head of hair of yours. Um, What year did you graduate high school? 98. Wow. You're younger than you look. Um, you're supposed to laugh. Why does it feel like we're going off a script? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm working on humor because I was told I was too rigid. Got it. Um, no, but really, um, my point is, man, that was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 20 years sure goes by fast. Doesn't it? It did. Yeah, it does. Um, they say the next 20 goes even faster. Mm -hmm. So, Somewhere in between all that speed is a 30-year mortgage, man. Yeah. So I'm going to argue that the sooner you just accept that, that's the state of affairs is you need, you're going to pay a loan for 30 years. Man, hunker down, get used to it. You need to do that for yourself. Mm -hmm. You need to do that um, for your retire self. Mm-hmm. You need to get you need to bang out this house payment, get rid of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to argue again: rents in perpetuity, mortgage is finite. It's going to be over at some point if mm-hmm. you just get in and play your cards right. Um, and then rent goes up over time, where the mortgage really doesn't. I understand property taxes and maintenance and insurance; those kind of costs they're not going to remain stagnant. They're going to have periods of you know increases, but sure. I'm going to argue they're not going to keep up with rent. Um, so this is a way that, um, and I see this a lot with my first time home buyers, they're renting for 1700 bucks a month. They come in a couple years ago to get a mortgage and, um, the payments 2,500 bucks a month, which feels like, ugh. cause you think about, think about my money last month, <laughs> everybody where you are, unless you're driving, close your eyes and think about your money last month. Um, how'd you do? You, hopefully you saved a little. Hopefully you paid all your bills. In an ideal world, you you finish a month without any credit card balances like you made it, right? Right. And now right. and now I'm just going to take away 800 bucks from you last month. How'd you do last month? <laughs> Did you make it? Sure. Did you save still? Right. Is your savings gone? You probably didn't save, did you? Oh shoot! You didn't save, and you have four hundred bucks on a credit card now. Dang, um, that's kind of what it's like as you are sizing up. That ooh, that hurts a little, right? That idea of uh, can I go from seventeen hundred in rent to twenty five hundred in mortgage payment? But now I want to catch up with that guy four years later. Sure, totally adjusted to the twenty five hundred. Right, feels now the tax savings feels the. Feels good in Learn, the last. Learned how to cook at home a bit more. Yeah, and in the last four years, are looking at that, going, "Oh, I have a hundred grand in equity. That's cool. I didn't have that before. I never had that renting a home in my whole life. And you saw rent go from seventeen hundred to twenty two hundred over that same period. Mm-hmm. So, had you kept renting." You'd be facing a similar reality today anyway. Um, so then go forward four more years. Four more years now, maybe you have 
eight years in, you might have two hundred grand in equity if if you did this in the last eight years. Yeah. Um, your payments. Now you're paying more principal than still interest. The same. So you're getting closer. Yeah. Your payments still the same. The rents are a lot higher now than where you started. Thank God you got off that crazy ride. Um, and you're you, there's a light at the end of this tunnel, man. You got 22 years to go on a mortgage. Uh, maybe you want to refi into a 15 year fix and just nip this thing quick. Same payment, um, most likely. It's too. a very different. So my point is that um, those first years. Getting in, it's always tough. That's a gut check. You need to consider that. Oh, my goodness. My life is about to change. A couple years into it, you're going to pick your head up and go, oh, just the human condition. We adapt and overcome, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then a few years after that, uh, you're like reaping benefits that were hard for you. You hoped they would come true. They're hard for you to really grab going in. Mm Mm-hmm. So um, that's my 30-second radio commercial that I'm trying to write right now. And I got to try to figure out how to condense that into 30 seconds mm-hmm. because it just took 25 minutes. Yeah, um, I was just going to say that, Jason. Yeah. It took 25 minutes to explain a 30-second commercial. So here, But again, you get, you get the rub, though, right? Uh, Is, yeah. um, rates are going up. We know they're going up. They've gone up. They're going up. They're going to keep going up. This last week, we learned they're probably going to pass neutral. Mm-hmm. So I'm not trying to write a commercial that says, hey, uh, you know, rates are great and they're poised to go up. So get them while they're hot. Um, yeah, it's still historically low. Correct. And yes, we know the the their forecast to go well beyond what they are today. But I don't want that to be the basis of my platform. Um, really what the, what I want people to know is like, Hey, there, uh, there's some real value into, um, just stability and building equity. I mean, ownership is a function of building your balance sheet. And and by the way, yeah, exactly. And I was going to say though, is that oftentimes this is why you need somebody, um, and this is why I'm not scared of that rocket mortgage button stuff that you see all over the TV. Um, I, w- I saw a commercial this morning, in fact, and it was like, it's a guy holding triplets. And he's like, oh, and thank God I just pushed this button and I just got a mortgage because then I can get back to the more important things in life, like these three more important things in life. And I'm like, all right, good commercial. However, convenient. Um, the convenience of it you paid for, it's like going down to buy your jar of mayonnaise at 7-Eleven. <laughs> Foolish. You're paying a lot for that. Mm-hmm. But additionally, man, guy with three kids, are you getting careful help planning and qualifying and yep. analysis of how you should be doing what you're doing? Um, you're guy with triplets in his lap you're not a loan officer um you don't know what you're doing you need help you need help by an expert right let's talk about effective mortgage rate after the tax break right let's let's work that in all those things well and mortgage insurance and the kind of mortgage insurance and terms and should i pay points and all these this all this stuff that goes into it and um even if you're not having all of those conversations, because some people don't want to talk about it. They just want to turn the key and be done. They want to get that pre-approval um, letter. Man, at least have a pro in there looking at all that stuff. And then, you know, so I can call you and say, hey, Mike, do you want an impound account or not? I have one. Let me tell you why I have one. Yeah. Um, 
And then at the end of the conversation, so what do you think, Mike? Do you want an impound account or not? Um, how do they explain this during the rocket button? You're, uh, do, do you even know what an impound account is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to opt for a payment that's $900 a month more? Probably not if you don't understand why, what the benefits are. Um, how to smooth, like of smoothing out cash for all these things. Anyway, um, I think you need a pro. You need an expert to sit down with. Um, so mm-hmm. anyhow, I didn't make a lot of progress on my commercials. You're working um, it through. I get it. You're working it through. <laughs> you know, as we get to the top of the hour here, um, I'd like to tell our listeners that we have Steve Del Martini, one of the brokers, one of the longtime brokers of Slow Realty here in San Luis Obispo. Steve has not only worked on new development tracks, custom homes, your everyday workforce housing, housing, and but he's also <laughs> he's also extremely involved in what's going on um, with our um, city council, the government piece of mm-hmm. of this thing. He's a he's a big player with the uh, Association of Realtors, and we're going to have him on the show the next hour. We're going to talk to him about all types of stuff. So, and he's so cute. He's a great guy. So do me a favor, people. Refill your coffee cup. Get ready for Steve Del Martini and Jason Grody because we're going to be back with one more hour of Mortgage Matters. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Citricoast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. I gotta say, Marilyn Manson does a better version than the original on this. I think it's just more freaky and scary. Is that Marilyn Manson? Yeah, it is Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Wow. Probably the one time a year we can get away playing Marilyn Manson on KVEC. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Marilyn Manson still alive? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's like one of those people when I was younger, I saw that guy. I was like, he's not going to make it long. No. <laughs> he's already, I mean, not only did he look dead, but he just yeah. seemed to have questionable yeah. questionable behavior. Lifestyle yeah. habits, pretty yeah. much. <laughs> All right, as yeah. threatened, we have Steve Del Martini in the studio with us. Good morning, everybody. Happy Halloween, huh? Yeah. Indeed. Thanks Here, for coming. What do you do for Halloween, Steve? Well, you know, um, the last few years, I've gone to Disneyland. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's, That's fun. Yeah. Uh, 
Is that a question or wow. a comment? Was that that's no, fun? Just, I'm that's how Canadians talk. It sounds fun. like a question at the end. Yeah, that Mike's sounds like Canadian. a great time. It's hard to. We'll play some music on the next bit. No, I just like Steve in the mood. For I feel Disney. like no. I I I thought you were going to say something like uh, not out. fun. Oh no. Um, so you have wow. fun. You, you there's a fun side to you that enjoys recreation. What are you talking there about? is, yeah, a little bit. He's yeah. just, this dude's all work, all business. I'm, no, I'm Steve a lot of work. Is fun. I mean, this is why day to day interactions with Steve in the workplace are so full of like satire, um, because he doesn't <laughs> spend enough time recreating. He has to do it in those interactions. Um, Mm. Yeah. Well, okay. So, um, <laughs> yes. See? Yeah. So, my wife and I have annual tickets for Disneyland. I mean, yeah. We have annual passes. Yeah. We're, we're Disneyland people. So, Good that might you. surprise some. Um, How often do you go? Uh, well, we'll be going in two more. We'll be our fifth or sixth time this year in a couple of weeks. Um, so, I got, I want you to know, I went to Disneyland. I got engaged to my wife at Disneyland. How cute is that? Like on the Magical Mystery Tour ride or. Mm. <laughs> Something like that. I won't tell you where. You did it in front of the castle. I know you did it in front no, of the castle. No, I did not. Right at that bridge. Come on. Yeah, standing on the very center of Disneyland on that little special tile. You know so where it is. The horse ride, maybe? Um, I'm not going to tell you. Wow. I'm going to leave that to the imagination. This is However, great. This is um, great content for Club, me later. Club 65, is it? Yeah, something like that. Have you been Six, there? No, I'm not. Is that the year there. that Disneyland was no, built? No, so there's, a, uh, there's like this. 55, yeah. Got it. There's everyone this, everyone uh, but me knows that. Mike! There's this uh, <laughs> restaurant, and it's, I think it's more or less by invite only. We had friends who had um, an uncle that like worked for legal counsel Disneyland or something, so we were able to get our names on the list. But it's above the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. And there's a um, – so you're given like, you know, go to this place at this time and there's a, like a special door. It's like a secret door. It looks like one of the facades. And you ring it and then um, they bring you in and then you go upstairs and there's like a five-star restaurant up there. And the, so – The little metal thing slides in the door and they yeah. look at you? Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you – What's the password? What's the password? What's your favorite color? Ooh, Red. What is the password? I mean Blue. It's, um, well, it's not Mickey. No, they. I. I don't recall that we it's had like a Walt's password. Father's name or something. But they. They do. They like slide the thing over, and they're like, "Yes, yes." Like we have a reservation. They're like your name. <laughs> That's so cool. So, so I, I put mine under Mickey Mouse. So I was like, as you should, Mr. Or Mouse, Goofy, one of the two. Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Maybe. Gaston. Anyways, okay. Maybe Gaston. Um. Yeah, so I'm among the elite that have dined at that fine restaurant. I think it's called Club 65. Something like or 61. So there you are. And um, so Halloween, are this year you going to go? No, because uh, it falls in the middle of the week and uh, my wife can't get the day off. She's right. a teacher. So teaches mm. at the high school. So yeah, it, but it's all good. Uh, we just we were just there about about a month ago and we're going to be going back. So when I was in the green room, hang on, I, hang oh, on. I've got to I was going to do a quick calculation. Can I have a story while you're calculating? Have you been doing real estate for 45 years? 40. 40? Yeah. Okay. I was close. This is my 40th year. I used my calculator over here to try to hone in on it. Because really? you got to carry the nine um, and all that. Congratulations, yeah. by the way. Thank you. To stay in a field like this for 40 years, not only is it a great business, but you His must- wife's a teacher. You must- so They have a salary and some health benefits. That's a key, right? Yeah. You must have touched quite a few. I got married when I was 39. Okay. So 
I didn't have that for a long time. Good. Um, we, right. are, okay. we are floating I'm, out in the I'm, middle I'm of the I'm going to go back to the green room story. Please. Okay. So, so when I was in the green room writing, which isn't green for all of those that haven't been here, um, you said, and I don't know if you were speaking to Mr. Points or not, but you said something along the lines, uh, you're younger than your age would indicate or something. I didn't know if that was a compliment or what, what, what was Nothing that Jason says just, to me is a compliment. Yeah. That's it's not like, true, you're not, Mike. You're among the very... Uh, you're, I, <laughs> I thought it was opposite, right, of what you meant? Or Yeah, I no. probably just got my words I think backwards. you said I'm old. I'm I'm like wise beyond my years. Yeah, sage. Yeah, I don't think sage that was wisdom. it. Anyway. That's what I meant. So, that was my sentiment. And, and then I wanted to tell you that in 1981, um, I opened a company called Bankers Real Estate. I had left my, my parents' office. And interest rates were 20%. Ooh. So if you want to talk giving money away, 5% seems pretty pretty darn reasonable to Still someone low, like me. Right? So, what is the, so the difference then too, right, is that conceivably house prices were like, what, 3X salary or something? Nothing. Yeah, that's too long I mean, ago it, for me well, to Well, they were probably, I, I guess what uh, I'm seeing now is. I, I would, I'm sorry, I would say they're probably in the me, low hundreds. Right. Yeah. Median so in the 80s, home price, people, U.S. real estate. Well, that's what I'm seeing now is that, you know, people are making, it's like 10x salary for some people now. Well, my first, um, I joined my uh, Del Martini real I estate. I found it. Man, technology's so cool. Is it? Do you want to know what the median home I price was in 1981? Yeah, but you've got, you've got for the United States, not like for our county. So? Well, it's going to be way different. Well, we'll do a little average. Do what you'd like. Well, let's apply the same relatively it's to what show. it is today. Hey, <laughs> excuse what's me. What's the deal today? Yeah. What deal? Give me the national median home price. What is it? Two hundred fifty-four thousand. Six hundred thousand national median home price. No, Shut it's two hundred fifty-four. It's two hundred thirty-two or something. You said the other day. Did I? Yeah. I'm sorry. I was referring to California. You guys are talking so much that I can't think. Nationally. So, Nationally. so let's just call it 250. Let's round okay. off. Right. Sure. And so then, right here in slow, what's our median in slow? Five fifty. Oh, it's probably more. We think the county slow, would be county. I was thinking yeah, the, county. Okay, the county would be yes, plus or minus six hundred. I think. Okay, um, so in 1981, then the um, the median home value looks like it was throughout the year about sixty nine thousand. Yeah, I had a uh, my the first escrow first property I put in escrow. Uh, was sixty seven thousand, and I think that was like nineteen seventy seven, and it fell out the next day. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember that's, that's one of those sales I remember. Yeah, you had that one night though, where you were I in escrow. Well, you know, I figured my commission. I worked for my father, and <laughs> so that yeah. was that was here in town then. Yeah, it was on Tassa Harris Street. So it's, it sounds like you're um, at least according to these numbers, then you sold the median home. At the national price. Right. And couldn't even get it to close. <laughs> no, one day I had 24 hours of uh, pure pleasure out there. Yeah. Went back, figured my commission. I was on a 50 50 split with my dad. It's a champagne it, night right there. It was. I think, well, I was 20. Uh, <laughs> I got to close. 23, something like that. Yeah. And, uh, so then I, then, then I learned never to figure your commission until it closes right. or let somebody else figure your commission because then I be- became superstitious, and uh, that was the last time I ever figured a commission because I just figured every time I do it, if something falls something out, goes wrong. I'm never yeah. going to make a dime. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, but you know, going back to that, the, to the 20% interest rate, what caused things to happen was then uh, the wraparound mortgage 
you know, where someone had a loan on a property and you could buy their house, the bank didn't know that – wasn't informed that there was a sale, I guess is how it worked. And then you just paid the seller and the seller kept making the payment and that's how some property moved. Oh, like a – that's like that a – was a wraparound mortgage. That's like it's like assumption. a non-approved assumption. It was like a non <laughs> – and then the other thing was the owner carryback became huge. Of course. Yeah, yeah that was a huge, huge thing. Um, yes, in 1981, I had seven escrows. People are wondering right now um, why those uh, ways of doing business no longer work. And so let's just let's stop there for a second. Let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, in today's deed of trust, there are some words in there that prohibit you from moving out of this house and yeah. turning over the legal ownership of the property to another party. We have an ability just to move into essentially a foreclosure proceeding on you. Should you, you know, Steve, I like you a lot. You could buy my house. I'll make you the owner record. You just pay me. I'll pay the mortgage. It doesn't really impact you, right? As long as you're agreeable to our terms. Uh, The bank doesn't really want to be a part of that. And I think mainly, well, and it's the same thing about assumptions. So for many years, banks allowed assumptions, right? Where- Stephen and I might just go to the bank together and say, hey, look, Steve wants to buy my house, and um, I have pretty favorable terms and less than 30 years remaining, and so Steve's going to give me some cash, and then he'd just like to assume my loan. And the bank would say, well, let's make sure Steve's not a deadbeat. They'd go through all the paperwork and say, oh, it looks good to us. We'll let Steve be uh, the new... Um, payee. So there's a desk under right in assumption. Payor. Right. Yeah, so there you go. And that went on for years. Mm-hmm. And then at some point along the way, the banks realized that um, it wasn't good for them to Trade out see notes. these favorable terms get handed along where they would then lose out on interest and new business. And yep. so they stopped allowing assumptions. And then, and so today, um, assumptions still exist on the Yeah. And that's rate. what I was going to say. This is an important thing to realize too, is that, um, anymore, basically your government loans are assumable. Um, VA, USDA, FHA. And um, that's kind of an interesting thing because if you're looking at selling your house right now and you have an FHA loan, especially an FHA loan that's a few years old and no Mm -hmm. longer has that, it doesn't have that new life of loan MI, you you might have a Three and a half percent FHA loan that has mortgage insurance that's going to go away soon. You um, saw that house. Somebody that. might want to buy your house because of that loan and assume it. And um, you know, in an FHA assumption, you're fully off the hook. I've heard some horror stories about VA assumptions where, um, like, say we were both veterans. And I had a loan, and then you assumed my VA loan, and then you went belly up. We both lose our oh, benefit. Okay. It was like you suck, so you lose yours for sure. And then I suck because I got them into this deal with you, and so we both get uh, raked of our benefit. And I kind of understand that. At the same time, I kind of don't because the VA approves the assumption, right? And they should let the first one off the hook, yeah, like FHA would. Yeah. So today, most no man left behind on that one. What happened? That no man left behind oh. rule, VA, right? So if you're not going to just screw your fellow veteran, right, you're going to make the payment. You should. You should. But then, yeah, but stuff happens in life, and then maybe you can't. So you know? 22% interest rates is like, a, that's absolutely ridiculous. What's real that you've probably seen more so in this, this 
term of career is probably six and a half, right? Six, six and a half. Y- yeah, I would I say. Mean, under, did you get? Under do 10, you, kn- you know? Yeah, somewhere so I, in that over five, though. Oh yeah, five to ten. Yeah, I, conceivably, I, and the markets do what they do. The cost of capital is what it I is. I wanted to to answer your question though, because again, Google saved my bacon here. Nineteen eighty one income average yearly income in the United States was almost fourteen thousand, thirteen thousand seven hundred and seventy five bucks. Okay, and so then homes were you say sixty seven calling it seventy grand nationally. So you were a you know I got it like seventy three point seven five times income. It's 14. Oh, yeah. So five times income. So today, um, where are we at for income now in the U.S. in 2018? Today, you got average income of 60,000, essentially. That's what I figured. And then we've got home that we agreed nationally is at 250. So it is um, keeping true. It's pretty darn close. Where you get trumped is the coasts. And by the way, I want to point out that Mike just did this thing that drives me nuts. Um, we look at this happens every show. Look at my my, the, my my grandfather, my dad, my uncles, all these people in my life that have enjoyed the benefits of longevity in the market. Okay, so like look at everyone's wealth, um, the people you know that are that are older, which basically mm-hmm. means they've had more time in the market. Okay. Most people you know have made a ton of, yeah. So Steve has had so much time in the market. Um, I'm ancient and not just older. Well, and your words. And I'm not going to ask you to tell me about your personal finances. We'll do that one day when I do a loan for you. Uh, but is your wealth, for most people, you look at the wealth, like my grandpa, for example, um, when he died, his greatest asset was his home. It was worth so much money. Holy smokes. Um, and so. Oftentimes you hear this sentiment of people are like, yeah, well, those days are gone. You don't buy a house for 40,000 bucks. And then by the time you die, it's worth 300,000 bucks. And I'd like to tell people, well, yeah, you're just going to have sort of different math on it because you're going to buy a house for 500,000 bucks. And when you die, it's going to be worth 2 million. And people think that that era is just gone and passed, that it's not a thing. Well, when I was growing up in real estate, uh, the markets didn't do what they do now. Um, I, you know, starting in the 70s, I've been through at least four or five markets that go up and down, sometimes triggered um, by other countries, oil embargoes and things like that. But, um, you know, when, 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 when you sold a house back in the 70s, early 80s, you know, a lot of it was to own a home. There was that. There was that true pride of ownership, uh-huh. um, and it used to be for shelter and for all of those things that were the true meaning of of, of property ownership or pride of ownership back then. Um, you know, now or since I would say over the last ten to fifteen years, with the markets that go up and down the way they do, um, I think part of the the, the the counseling of people is you know pe- you'd have p- people come in and sit down. And talk to you about, you know, I want to go out and start to look for a house and here's what I think, here, you know. And then they say, how much do you think I'm going to make? And that, that right. you know, that always <laughs> then, you yeah. know, it was like all they've ever heard was it just goes up. You sure. know, and then you have the down, you know, then you have the second great recession and uh, then there's lessons learned and then it goes up again like it has now. Right. And so, you know, the, the, I think that, you know, 
part of a lot of people's probably a lender, a real estate broker, many people you you, you have to manage expectations, right? That that's really a, a, a big thing about hundred percent counseling with people, talking with people. And, you know, I, I got to a point where it was, okay, so you're aware the market could go down. You've only seen it up. And so you better look at this for, a, you know, at least a 10-year period mm-hmm. because if it goes down, it's going to go – then it's going to start back up in most cases. And so just be, be prepared for that. So I think there was a change in, 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 in a lot of people's attitudes when, the, when, when housing started to go up. So to go on to your, your, your comment, yeah, I think that um, people owned a home. Uh, they knew – a lot of people were in government. They were going to have a 30-year mortgage. They were going to be at their job for 30 or 35 years. They got through. It was paid off. And that was retirement. Yeah. That's right. You see so much now. Um, resumes are like, I was here for a year and a half, and then I went there for two years. Now I'm a manager executive here, and I'll be here for five years, but I'm looking to Hopefully this company goes public and then I can... But I'm driving for Uber and I put all of my Uber money into this Acorns account, which I'm going to use for my retirement. Yeah. Um, well, but, but, you know, the dynamics of the world is that you don't have to be permanent anymore. Um, sure. You can be anywhere in the world for a lot of jobs with a laptop and, and people... I mean, that's what changed in real estate. Um you know, when, when, when everything started to be um, out on the world wide web, um, you could be in your pajamas in your kitchen having a cup of coffee and people would Definitely. normally think you're at work behind your desk, mm-hmm. you know, pushing out paper. Yeah, no doubt. So it has changed incredibly. I still go in and push paper. Yeah, you do. I do. I know that about you. I, I, yeah. You used to have a flip phone. I have a flip phone, but yeah, I, yeah, I, think I kept that's phenomenal. it. Yeah, that it doesn't work anymore. Museum for sure. I use it as a when I give presentations. Sometimes I use it depending on the crowd. If it's a young crowd, I will hold it up and everybody stares at it. Sometimes I bring a typewriter. No, I'm just kidding. great. Great phone to hang up on someone with, though, right? Just like whack, flip, flip that thing closed. But it had the antenna where you you, you put it. You pulled it out with your teeth. That of course. was the real. Yes. Remember that? Okay. Uh, yeah. Not <laughs> too course. tough, though. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that was <laughs> yeah. the, the cool way to do it. Was, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, Mike asked a question earlier, and I was just pining for a realtor here in the room. Um, is now a good time to buy real estate? Yes, it is. Why? Why not? <laughs> no, it all depends what you're, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know why you wouldn't. I mean, if you want the permanency of, 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 of a home, of, of, of um, neighborhoods, mm-hmm. school, mm-hmm. you know, some people still, you know, couples, they, they get married, they want to have children, they want to have a place. Um, you know, a lot of it is uh, based on, you know, it, you, 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 your pe- you, people you meet at church, socially, PTA, you know, all of those kind of things kind of drive people to owning homes. And, and I think it's the most secure thing. And I think you need to be in again, like I say, for a little bit of the long haul, because if you're buying a home for what I would call the reasons to own a home versus how much am I going to make, then to me, it all makes sense. Now, um, I think that a little bit of a shift is in the younger generation being more mobile I'm not sure everybody wants to own a home. I don't know what they want that. Okay, to be tied down. Yeah, exactly. Some people are just okay. Freaked out about the the obligation of like, well, I don't, 
I'm, I can't even commit that I want to live yeah. in this county for 10 years. Right. I think I need to go. Yeah, that's to Mike's point just a few minutes ago. Right. You know that. Right. Yeah, so you have – you know, I mean, going into developments in and around uh, San Luis Obispo that are happening, a lot of them um, have, instead of just being single-family detached, you have the multifamily and maybe a condominium, condominium or a planned development. But almost all of the stuff, especially Avila Ranch and San Luis Ranch, have a whole apartment component now. Yeah. You know, because they know that there's a need for that as much as any anything else, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. as far as this mobility and – and, uh, you know, and, and people want a nice place to live. I mean, even renting or owning. And sure. um, so, you, you know, and, and our rental stock is maybe not the greatest in the world as far as it being older in most cases. So I think some of this is, is brought on by the fact that, you know, big companies or companies just have this mobile um, population. There's a um – one of the things I want to ask you about, because I know that you're paying a lot of attention to, to CAR mm-hmm. and, and even the local government stuff, um, a year ago or so, AB something was about um, a secondary dwelling unit by right in the yes. state of California. And I keep seeing these shows now. There's all these shows about tiny homes and mm-hmm. um, last week in the paper, there was an article about a guy that's hoping to strike it rich with building um, kind of manufactured little tiny homes that could um, become affordable housing. Are you, do you, is that a reality? Are we going to see those little micro homes getting sprinkled all around our county? I think, I think not, first of all. Uh, first, so if if you're interested in, in, in that type of a discussion, the city of San Luis Obispo is currently looking at um, um, a tiny home uh, with the new zoning codes. Uh, the, the city just went through an update of the zoning codes that hadn't happened in a long time, and I think it was very necessary and it was needed. And I think this, I think the city staff did a real good job on updating it. Let's um, do let's do this. That's okay. a great great thing to talk about right after this commercial break, Steve. I know you're you got tons of content there. Um, so, listeners, when, when we come back from this break, we'll talk about tiny homes, talk about auxiliary dwelling units, yes, exactly. the, the new zoning in the city of Slow, and how that can affect your real estate and real estate choices. Stick around for more Mortgage Matters. We'll be right back. Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gains locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. 
Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Linen. Too often, potential home buyers disqualify themselves believing they need perfect credit. The fact is, we can finance home buyers with low credit scores, collections, bankruptcy, foreclosure, or short sale. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018 DBO number 6054783. MLS number 328358. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your host, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. The crypt doors creak and the tombstones quake. Happy haunts materialize and begin to vocalize. Grim brain ghosts come out to socialize. Now don't close your eyes and don't try to hide. Or a silly spook may sit by your side. Shrouded in a dark disguise. They pretend to terrorize. Grim brain ghosts come out to socialize. Thurl Ravenscroft, by the way. Pardon me, Tony the Tiger. That's who's singing this. Yeah, yeah and, uh, he's great. Yeah, and how the how the Grinch stole Christmas. The same guy. Yeah, I figured so that. Know, I caught that on. There it is. You know General Mills stock. Yeah. This includes frosted flakes. There it is. It's down twenty five percent this year. Yeah. That's because they don't have Mikey anymore. No. Mikey likes it. Because they got Mikey likes it. Mikey they got some crazy so that's, uh, uh, pesticides showing up in all their cereal. Okay, so that's, that's from the not, haunted house there, right no. in Disneyland. That that yes. little thing. Haunted house changes three times a year. It has a Halloween theme and then it goes to a Christmas theme. I've been to the Christmas one. And then it goes back to just the regular haunted house. So And you make me want to go to Disneyland. You ought to go. No, I do not want to go to Disneyland. Well that's because oh, you don't know how to so use the all the, there's a lot of uh there there are Avenues available now on how to uh, kind of reserve ride Make a point. Yeah. Mac, app. The Mac, well, Isn't there an app? That I don't know about apps. Mm-hmm. I have a, one now, though. He's a flip phone. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. So you just Uh-oh. call. Do you call the, the ride? No, it's called. It's a, <laughs> yeah. Steve, yeah. Yeah. Steve sits Steve in the parking lot and he faxes yeah. each one of the rides. What you guys got on? Yeah. Uh, it's called a Max Pass. How are you guys you looking can, at 11 o'clock? I'm going to get a, <laughs> I have a fax yeah, I request here for a 9 o'clock at the Matterhorn. Google, okay. Google men, Google Max Pass. You'll figure yeah, it all out. We know what Max Pass is, baby. Yeah, okay. You don't drink though. They have a whole sure bar thing opening up over there in Neverland. No, uh, California Adventure. Oh my gosh! Well, they already do drinking in California Adventure. Yeah, that's crazy. But over in like Neverland, they're they're putting in like a whole new. I see. I was. I had my back right now to the front of the park, so I was pointing over to Neverland. You know where it is. Neverland. Look with me. He's literally yeah. pointing people. Um, you know that when they have the new park, you know, the opening next year, the uh, uh, the galaxy, fourteen acres of new Disneyland excitement. Is that the what about the Star Wars one? Is that's that it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. 
Yeah. And there's going to be a bar over there. They're going to have a cantina that's like the Star Wars cantina. You'll fit right yeah. in if you were. The bar is I mean, so important. No, I just am saying they're, they're ch- Disneyland is evolving because the California Adventures just checked. Right. Can you get people drunk at an amusement park and be okay? And they're like, it's all systems go. Mm-hmm. So now they're putting in like the cantina mm-hmm. over there at the new... Uh, you guys are self-employed people. I, you know, sometimes when you go on a vacation, the morning requires some work time, some laptop time. And you say, hey, guys, I'll meet up with you. I promise I'll be there by this time. So I go to meet my family in California. Is it a California Adventure? Uh-huh. First time I got my ticket, I walk in. Like within 25 yards of entering the park, I see like one, two, three, four people drinking beer. And I'm like, what is going on in here? Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. It was like walking into like the movie Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory without seeing the trailer. Okay. I mean, this so is then gonna, you wish you would have gotten there this earlier? This is going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be fun. <laughs> okay. So uh, we were talking about tiny we homes. Were let's get about, serious all right, here. All right. Let's try. This is, yeah, this has been an interesting gig here today. Uh, okay. So tiny listening. homes Thank is you. being considered by the city of San Luis Obispo. It was one of five items left out of the zoning update um, on purpose because they didn't have it down yet. As far as what they wanted it to all look like, you know, a tiny home. What is a tiny home? They need to define a tiny home. How's a tiny home going to work in the backyard of a house? Does it have to be on a foundation? Does it need to stay on wheels? Is is there parking going to be required? Is there plumbing going to be required? How are you going to get electricity to it? There's a lot of things to worry about with sure. tiny homes. I think that it will all move forward, and I think it will move forward reasonably. And I think that in the end, no, you're not going to get a lot of tiny homes in San Luis. I, I think like there's going to be a certain amount, but I, not really. I own a few acres, and on one of my acres over there on the side, I, I just wanted to like basically make it like a little trailer park of tiny homes. It was like five or six of them in a row where I could – imagine you could put one of those in for like 30 grand, and then I can rent it for like 500 bucks a month and but make 30 it real cheddar. Yeah. Okay, yeah, so what about – what are you going to do for power? Waste. Well, that's what I mean. It yes, makes like a little trailer park. I'm going to have to put in power pedestals and septic. Uh, septic they have battery packs. And water. Yeah, yeah we'll do so, solar. We'll do solar. We'll make it classic. Okay, so now you're Bathroom. at 100. Dang. You're not at 30. It's going to be harder to. It's long term. It's long term yield, though. I yeah. Mean, 500 yeah. bucks a month per. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, Steve, affordable what, housing what you're, is hard to make affordable, Steve. You, you don't have to tell my me. affordable housing dream no, right you, here you, in one keep, pass. Keep your dream. Really? Yeah. Uh, okay. So, accessory dwelling units, um, a whole different thing. And mm-hmm. uh, January 1st of this year, the state had implemented a uh, statewide um, accessory dwelling units. Uh, basically, yes, uh, could just be put in there were some limitations so this is my putting a unit over the garage or building and the maybe behind a standalone structure in my backyard yeah, exactly same thing though got to hook into the water and power and sewer yes you do and you got another guy sitting on los osos valley road at 505 but it's more like a house Right. Okay, because they can go up to 1200 square feet or 1250 square feet city of san luis you can go to 1200 um Depending uh, on use on, permit, eight hundred is the is the largest square footage just for the over the counter sort of discussion. Yeah. But what happened was in January on January first to J- July first, the city of San Luis didn't have its own ordinance for accessory dwelling units, and so uh, I'll have my numbers a little bit off. But I will just say that in that amount of time, that six month period, 
there were a little over 70 permits applied for uh, for accessory dwelling units. Uh, then the city had its ordinance come into place, and the thing that, that was included then in the city ordinance was one, of, one or the other had to be owner-occupied. And that sort of put the kibosh on the accessory dwelling units in the, in the sense that, you know, since July, I would be surprised personally if there were more so than maybe 15 or 20 that's permits. That's the new rule, though, is one yep. or the other? See, and I – correct I like me if I'm wrong, but I understood that and the new rule. this was what the state attempted to correct was that you could have an accessory dwelling unit by right. Well, I, and I understand that, but then what, what happens is, you know, it gets rolled out and then it gets used and then you figure out maybe there's some problems with all of that. Okay, so let's just take a a, a, a scenario mm-hmm. of a home. Um, I'll just pick a street, say, on Mitchell. Uh, no, let's say by the university. Oh, okay. Okay, so a home that – na- a, a street that used to have a lot of owner-occupants on it. I grew up on the corner of Foothill and Cuesta. Okay, okay. so it's kind of in that neighborhood. So if you take Princeton or some street like that and then you have a three- or four-bedroom house that has now become a rental and has, let's just say, five people in it with a double-car garage and then by right you put in – accessory dwelling unit behind it, and that accessory dwelling unit is another three bedrooms, maybe four, with another four to five people, then on that lot, you could have eight or ten people, you could have eight cars, and you have two parking spaces, and that's the, that's kind of some reasoning by owner-occupant, so that one or the other doesn't, and if you did that five times on a block, you see where I'm going with that right. conversation, you know, so... Yeah. You know, and, and but I can tell you through the state of California and to meetings that I attend, that the state's going to look at things because they, I think that the owner occupancy is slowing the permit, the amount of permits taken out down, and I think that is not what was anticipated, and I think that there'll probably be some corrections by the state that may say, you know, you 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 can't have an owner occupancy on when you, you know, when you see something like that. And maybe it's just the cynic in me, but I see something like that at the state level, right? Mm-hmm. This, hey, we're just it, it, yep. you can read it one of a few ways. One of them is that you're just telling, hey, citizens of the state, don't put up with your local jurisdiction's nonsense on not allowing you to do this. We're saying they must. Yes. Um, it's kind of some head padding to some degree. We're recognizing the crisis and we're finally doing something about it. And then you get down to the practical level where you go, hey, hang on a minute. Yeah. We don't have the infrastructure and ability to just yeah, allow it, this to be an over-the-counter permit where everybody can just come drop in what they what they prefer, um, you know. I, I think the city's in a tough spot, you know, and, I, I, and, and um, you know, dealing or having interaction – on a pretty regular basis, uh, you know, it's, it, they are. They're just in a tough spot to try to satisfy everybody that will be the tug and pull of here's what I think you want to do, here's what you shouldn't do, and this is fair and this isn't fair. And Your your parking thing, I feel like it is um, – it's probably not your own argument. It's a good no. one. Well, um, just, but it, at, at the end of the day, most of those using that university neighborhood by example, mm-hmm. most of the street parking over there is by permit only anyway. So if it was set up to where, okay, well, the city's only going to allow two permits per domicile, and then you're um, – so now as a tenant, you're just going to know that, hey, this place doesn't come with an ability to accommodate a car for you in any way. You're going to need to figure out, 
how to depend on bicycle, foot, Uber, um, public transit, whatever. You just need to know that. And it would – I feel like the free market would sort of dictate who then would rent anyway. Doesn't that help move us in that direction anyhow? So we sort of cling to this whole thing that we need to allow everybody to have a place to put their um, you know, F-350 supersized truck because every you know 20-year-old ag student needs that. Um, and we need nine of them at every house in the university neighborhood. Am I wrong? Uh, well, no, not really. But I think what happens is in parking districts and the reason they expand is, you know, if you have a street that has a parking uh, requirement or, uh, you know, control on it, then the people just move to the next block down, which impacts that block. And then those the people that were parking there get impacted in this, so they move another block away. Hey, man, more you permits, know. more citations. Well, no, I don't think that that's really how that's looked at. I don't think that's anyway. what the city wants, yeah, which I means th- more more staff. Yeah, yeah you jobs know. created. What are you talking but, about? But the city does have, you know, the, the, one of the, the, the <laughs> you know, the city does have a 20% multimodal goal, right. okay? And so um, the argument will remain the same, and I'll just take um, – Warren Reels development at 22 Choro, which is a very con- was a very controversial development, and it didn't have parking for everybody that could live there. In thinking that it is near the university, and exa- you're exactly right. People, it has a lot of bike parking. Actually, has a bike shop where you could fix your bike down below, and you know. So, it, it, I agree. Sometimes you have to force the issue for someone to figure out. Okay, yeah, I'm not bringing my car because this is convenient, and it is a you know, it is tough to park someplace, and and maybe that swing will happen. I don't think a lot of people that live in those neighborhoods buy into that. Yeah. Okay. Because they're well, they're really impacted. I mean, you know, if you lived in downtown right now, and there's more housing downtown than people realize. You know, in terms of some of the dense stuff that's right in town. Um, but if you live down there, it'd be pretty problematic to be dealing with a car. Multiple times a day, like if you were coming and going, like maybe you do have a car, um, but you probably wouldn't even want to use it for your small little errands. You'd be trying to figure out how not to. So yeah. at some point, it's like it's it's forcing a change in lifestyle that it just can't be accommodated conveniently or cheaply. Right, well, and I agree with that. And that was part of the you know, as far as I I could understand, as part of the reason why they went to this you know this this twenty percent, which. Um, to some people think it's small, other people think that it's a big jump. But yeah, I th- I, I agree. You, you you do have to start to to push it on people to see if it works um, at, at some point. So I think there's there are developments that are going to come out that are underparked uh, for that. You know, you for that could reason. make a new zoning that allowed only smart cars. Those little like little five footer cars. Because you can put like nine of those in a driveway where you can put like two of those F-350s. Um, I think it's Avalor. <laughs> I think it's the Avalor Ranch development is going to have a, a car share. Oh. They do have that implemented in their program. Perfect. Yeah. And, and I don't know how many cars and things like that. But but yes, there will be an area where you could go if you don't have a car. Like the zip car thing yep. that works down in the city. Yeah. So that kind of stuff. That's what forces the innovative ideas is – you know, having to deal with then. That's right. I'm a developer, and I've got okay. Here's everything I have to work with. So how do I make it all work? Necessity is the mother of invention, right? You're gonna have to figure out how to do it. We go. We have to figure it out. Yeah. I think it's a smart growth 
for from the standpoint of putting more people that have maybe maybe it's a single mom or single dad or just a couple that don't have kids yet living in the community that you work just makes mm-hmm. that community better. Oh, I agree. 100%. <clears throat> Driving from AG at eight o'clock should take you 15 minutes. Not it to mention anymore. I, I just got to say too, is I hope that people think more about that. Um, you know, like we make decisions. I live in a Tascadero, right? So I office in a Tascadero. I do most of my work in a Tascadero now. You bike to um, work. I do regularly. Yeah. 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 Regularly. Um, I try to spend my money in a Tascadero. That money is, you know, I'm supporting the local businesses, which oftentimes are the, you know, they're the other local residents of the city. Um, trying to keep that money, that sales tax, you know, anything we can. I, I want to see my area keep growing. It's That's a right. fundamental problem that a lot of people have to live one place and work another. Well, you know, if you, if, if yes, if you can house your your if you can house your your, your workforce, then I do believe along with you that things do get better. You you know, your schools will have more children attending them instead of closing down elementary schools. They'll be, you know, have it more impacted in the sense that it's a good thing to have, you know, kids going to the schools here. Uh, you know, the parents will join PTA. Your 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 churches get you know more more attendance downtown gets mm-hmm. you know more 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 activity um there's just support for all the auxiliary sure. issues out there that people you know want to be a part of um you know just socially and and so yeah i i, I do believe that and i i agree that you know if you have people here they're going to spend money here and ultimately that kind of helps the city overall i do think the density <laughs> of people living in the ADUs is important I think I could see, you know, gosh, we've seen them before in houses that get listed, a five-bedroom house with like 10 kids living in it. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, what's stopping the capitalist investor from putting three and a half people in this ADU, you know? Well, what stopped it was the owner-occupancy. Right. But we're having the discussion right now that Mm -hmm. there's a high probability that that could go away. Yes, there is. And if it does then I think the city still has to say, look, it, well, we, how get about, it. we get it. You don't have to live here. But, you know, if we find that how about you, more than eight you people use live here. something similar to the in lieu fund where if you're a non-owner occupant applying for that permit, you have an offset fee, then that's going to go into fund transit or share rides or, um, you know, all any of number of those other things. I like say you're. I get it. Like you called him a capitalist, so I will too. I get it, Mister Capitalist. You you're salivating at this, so come on in, and we recognize that you're gonna you're doing this for profit, um, and we're gonna offset that by having you pay. Then, well, okay, let it me does help you help out a little the city bit. A little um, bit though, just by having it there, and it doesn't really apply to maybe the accessory dwelling unit for one, but for instance, a development. I'll take there's there's a new one. Um, I think it's been approved now. I'm not sure. Uh, I went to some of the hearings at uh, at, at Orchid Road where the um, um, uh, Duncan McMillan that area by the railroad track crossing mm-hmm. there. And when you if you go in for exceptions that for affordable housing that allow increase in height and density, in a lot of cases um, you can reduce parking, but you have to come up with a with a parking manage or, or with a, a management plan about 
um, how you go, how are people going to get around if they don't have a car? A multimodal. Yeah, so solution. you have to come up with this plan that gets reviewed by the city. I think annually, if you have that, which so. I would just ask you, why do I need to go anywhere? With I can work from home now. Amazon will bring me anything I need almost the same day. They're scary fast. I can Skype my doctor. (laughs) They deliver my marijuana. Um, I mean, I just, it's like everything comes to you now. (laughs) We don't Um, need to go everywhere the way we used to need to go everywhere. In fact, now I can, all I really need is my phone and just to draw the curtains and I can just sit in my dungeon isolated online. It's a scary future. <laughs> I, for one, would rather get in my car and drive to work. So. See, but that's because you're um, – I don't want to say old. You but, can say it. Uh, you're from that generation where that's what you did. Hey, let's hop in the car and we'll drive to the park to go for a walk. Yeah, but do you – okay. So, okay, you can use me as a, that Weird. example. But really, is that what you want to do is sit in your – No, but Steve, that's yeah. what people are doing. I know. I, oh, I'm very That's why you that. see all these – Really pale kids with no social skills. <laughs> yeah. All right. I digress. Hey, um, let's get this thing Not on track. Disneyland. Let's get this thing on track. Um, what's going on at CAR? You're, See, you're like our connection to CAR because really? you're so heavily involved. Always. Um, okay. Not a whole lot right now. We just came back from some business meetings. The end of the year is sort of the recap of you know the first of the year. You do your legislative slate, so, so to speak. Find out what CAR bills are, are you want sponsored or not. See what other bills are coming to the to the to the table as far as the different committees that exist out there. The end of the year, uh, the last meeting, it was kind of a recap of what didn't work, what got passed, what didn't get passed, what the governor governor was still looking at, um, and then starting to, to talk about um, things, you know, moving forward. Anything juicy coming? N- no, you know that the the thing is is kind of the scary stuff is. Um, there is a big push right now for the documentary transfer tax on sales in many, many areas going up substantially. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some as low as maybe four dollars and fifty cents per thousand. But area, what is it right now? Dollar ten. It's a dollar ten. Yeah, don't Ooh, quadrupling. No, it's a dollar ten. Yeah, no, but I mean, in some areas, okay. So then you take something. No, like, but I, I'm like saying though, on, on average around here, we see transfer tax. I mean, it's a dollar ten per thousand in the county. Yeah, so it's five, six, six hundred bucks. So okay. it could easily turn into twenty four hundred. Yeah, and what what this is doing is is they're trying to you know, I would say almost every city or in California is having you know they have the unfunded liability, the pension problems. Okay, yeah. and uh, so Berkeley was look is looking at a stepped up. Transfer tax going to like fifteen dollars a foot for under a million. I mean, fifteen dollars per thousand under a million, a million five or something like Holy that going to twenty five, and then at three million and above going to thirty dollars per thousand. Um, you know, but again, they're 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 probably their median prices. You know, a million two or a million four or something. So you know, but but that's you know, it's that kind of stuff that the cities are looking at to offset these problems that are out there. Um, what was the well, name me, of that <clears throat> thing? You guys probably remember this, but the, there was a name of the um, the recording fees on a refi. So you guys, yes. I assume the, the realtors got in and, and got this purchase component of this struck out. Yes. 
But uh, if you refinance a house today, there's this additional fee that's assessed at recording of yes. like an extra 200 bucks. It effectively doubled the cost of recording. Yes. And I'm assuming it's only a matter of time before they pull the plug and make it go on the purchases, too. So I, I don't it, think so. It's kind of cash grab around real estate. It's well, not always. already Well, let's talk enough. about something, okay? Let's talk about something. To build a new house, there are fees that are associated with building at certain tiers of yes. the size of the home. Yes. If we continue to have these, I think they're aggressive fees on new product and we let the current product that people sell not raise tax on that, we're not solving this problem of of inventory. I'm not even going to use the word affordable, inventory without making it a community-based solution. It shouldn't be on the backs of those who are taking the risk to build the new homes. I think everyone that's selling a home has to be part of the solution to build more homes. And the transfer tax is a big piece of that. So you're in you're in favor. I I want to so my answer is uh-huh. yes, I'm in favor of looking at the transfer tax as a as a solution as a broad-based solution, but I want to monitor how much we increase that tax. Okay. I think I don't think that solves the whole problem. I don't think we throw it all. Transfer tax will solve the problem. Uh, no, you the, the transfer taxes aren't aren't being looked at. For housing, but it's, yeah, the transfer tax—the transfer taxes go into the general fund, do they not? Oh, it's spread out. The you know on the transfer tax, you, it, it's spread out between the the city and the county. The problem is, is these um, proposals are coming down as as a uh, not a specific tax that um, would take sixty seven percent of a voter. It's going into the general fund specifically, although maybe not addressed that way, but specifically to start to fight the unfunded liabilities for pensions. Don't you know that's really what the conversations were about. It wasn't about you need to tax your situation would be something where you would need another another sort of mechanism on top of all such of this as a bond to fund or to fund something inclusionary else. housing ordinance and and you already have to understand that anybody that does a development already is paying inclusionary housing fees. Or they're building, they're, they're building the housing. You have an in lieu payment or you build it. So, you know, the city, our city is development pays its own way. You know, this started so, out as a pretty good show. I was under it the really impression. Did. And now here we are on taxes. We, get, we need to just have a tax tax. And then we just figure out whatever we're short by and then just tax the taxes uh, and just get the rest of the money they need to do everything we need to do here in this great state. Yeah, like tax not? the taxes. That's good. Didn't, they just wasn't tell there, us, a, there a tea party about all of that? <laughs> Maybe we all just yeah. sign a document yeah, that allows a tea party. Hey, look, like that. I think I'm just talking about we'll, a broad-based solution. We'll just let we'll let uh, we'll all sign a, a like an authorization that the California government can just have access to our bank accounts. What do you need? And what do you need it Slippery for? Slope. Just take it. Just take it. Uh, pay the bills. We'll all pay our fair share. What is it? Twenty bucks a person. Whatever. Unfortunately, we have Just to start wrapping up it. the show, Steve. Good. You've been I mean, great don't. as a guest here. You're always welcome. Um, Steve Del Martini can be reached on the web. You can look him up. He probably has some type of website or something, right? Steve, how do people get a hold of you if they want to talk about their real estate? Mostly through um, Carrier phone. Pigeon. <laughs> We're running out of time, Steve. Okay, contact me at (laughs) 805-801-5165 is my cell. Excellent. 
And anyway, that's probably the easiest. In- if you're driving and you didn't get that, you can call us at uh, 543-LOAN. That's 805, 805 now. Uh, we started on that. CentralCoastLending.com. Steve, thank you much for coming in today. Hey. We'll have to have you on again soon. We yeah. got a serious discussion. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. We'll be back next week with a whole another two-hour episode of Mortgage Matters. Hope you guys have a fantastic week.